Today, we continue our series um, that we're calling Family Affairs. It's, it's all about the family. Um, I have told you when I first started this series that this is a series, to be honest with you, I'm surprised we haven't had one already um, about this because family is just so important to me uh, in my life. And I know it is to you too. Our first week, by the way, today's message, I anticipate being a lot like last week where it's more instructional, more teaching than it is preaching, okay? Um, I'll try not to scream and holler, okay? (laughs) Uh, Everybody's going, yeah. All right. So our our first week, when we started this off, we talked about, hey, bringing the family back. Um, And um, I'm not talking about the way the, the world thinks of the family. I'm talking about God's design as a family. Um, and so we called that uh, family reunion. And um, we talked about several different things about the family. We talked about the fact that the family needs to be a place of refuge uh, in the time of a storm for one of the family members. They need a place to come back to and, and, and to be sheltered by, a place uh, also of learning. It's a learning center for life. I mean, that's where you learn how to relate to people. You know, Austin, when you, you're, as you're growing up, you're learning from your mom and dad and your family about how to relate to people. And your character comes from that and your values come from that. So a lot, a lot about the family. We t- talk about the family as a place to play, to have fun. You know, who wants to be around a you know, bunch of whatever? Duds. Family has got to be fun. It'd be a good time. And then we talked about the fact that family is sort of a launching place for, uh, a, a, a launching pad for our ministry, which really gets to um, our, the reason why God put us here to begin with, our purpose in life. And again, we call that the family reunion, bringing the family back. And then last week we talked about a topic that um, really, quite frankly, destroys, damages and destroys families, and that's conflict. And so we talked a lot about resolving conflict, and I won't go into all of the things that we talked about and even hit on the highlights, but I wanted to say that we started off with, it wouldn't be a bad idea to turn your life over to Christ as the very first thing. Um, start following him and, and, and talk to him about situations, and that will resolve, maybe even resolve the conflict altogether. All right? I finally, I, I, we mentioned at the very end, along many other things, is don't give up. You know, Make a commitment that you're going to see this, this conflict, this resolution through. And again, we call that, part two, we call that family harmony. Today, <clears throat> today we're going to have part three. Before I get into part three, I want to make a very special announcement. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. For the next couple weekends, you need to, and by the way, those events that we talked about, invite your friends. Invite your friends and your family to come join us. It'll be a good time. But especially for this next couple weekends, I want you to invite your friends. We've got a special, two special speakers coming the next couple weekends. You do not want to miss the next couple weekends. Um, the next weekend, we're going to extend this series. By the way, Devin, my, my son, and his, his family will be back for the next couple weekends. Uh, I'm looking forward to them. They're going to plug in. They're going to help out and, and, and start teaching some of us some of the things that they're learning there while they're there. And um, so we're, we're looking forward to that. But next weekend, we're going to extend this series to part four, which is going to be about the blended family. 
Um, and we're going to have, for the very first time, speaking here at the bridge, our very own Sam Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> now, if it's any indication of what it's going to be like, he's the one who yelped. Um, so we are excited about that. I am stoked about it. I can't wait. Uh, bring your friends, uh, especially if you know they're in this situation. Bring your friends, and uh, they'll get something, I promise you, very good out of it. The next weekend, <clears throat> Devin is going to be speaking, and I told him, whatever's on your heart, uh, we're going to jump out of the series, and we're just going to say whatever is on your heart, we want you to bring to us. So the next couple weekends, don't, don't miss it. All right, today. The title of my message today is um, on a topic that we've got a lot and lot of young couples here today, uh, some getting married, some um, have already been, you know, are already married young couples and have children, and so we're going to talk about parenting, and it's not for wimps. All the parents say amen. amen. It's not for wimps. It's a tough tough thing being a parent. It can be difficult um, and demanding, certainly, a demanding responsibility just about the time that you get uh, some real experience in parenting, your kids are walking out the door. Um, that is the truth, I promise you. Uh, and even then, you're learning. Still yet, I'm still learning. Uh, you, you don't learn how to be a good one, a good parent, until they're grown up. Um, in fact, like I said, I'm still learning. I was supposed to take Dustin and Jenna to the airport on Friday morning, and um, <clears throat> they told me, 4.30 in the morning, be there to pick us up. Well, Thursday night, I had a late night, never thought a thing about it, didn't set my alarm, and at 4.40, 4.40, I get a text from Dustin, and I'm, I look at the text, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what happened you know, I never, you know, anybody who knows Dustin, I, I would never get a text from Dustin in the morning unless there was an urgent situation. And it dawned on me, oh my gosh, he says in the text, are you almost here? I texted him back and said, I'm on my way. <laughs> uh, they missed the flight <clears throat> because of dad. So see, I've got some things to learn. Uh, I, I let them down. Uh, but um, we, we got them on a flight. They're there. And uh, so everybody is happy, and um, I owe them 150 bucks. So um, there are so, <laughs> so many confusing voices today offering advices and um, opinions about how to be a good parent, uh, books and all that kind of thing. One guy had five theories and no kids, and later on he had five kids and no theories. Um, we, where do we go for help? Um, who do we look to when you need help and advice on parenting? And there's only one parent who's ever been perfect in history, and that's our Heavenly Father. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 says, Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And so today we're going to look at God. <laughs> we're going to look at uh, Him as a model parent. Looking at God. With all of the advice swirling around, guys, I think that we confuse and we complicate uh, this topic way too much. You can be a great parent. Simply treat your kids the way God treats you. The way God treats his children is the way that we ought to treat our children. 
So I want us to look at what God's like. And then what we can do is we can draw from that um, uh, some methods for our upcoming parenting tasks that we've got ahead of us, all of us. I'll learn how to set the alarm, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the first place, though, today, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, and that's what we're going to talk about today, I must understand my children. That's the bottom line to it all. Psalms 10, uh, 103, 13 through 14, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And then it says, for he knows, he knows how we are formed. God knows what makes us tick. He does. He, he, he understands us. He's aware of our makeup. He understands our personality. He knows what we're made of. And because he understands us, he can parent us in the right way. He knows our very thoughts. He knows us like nobody else. He understands us, and so he can be our best parent. So I, I, I'm, in order to be a good parent, I've got to learn to understand my kids. The number one complaint about our parents uh, from kids is, hey, they don't understand me. They don't get it. Proverbs uh, says, and listen to this, homes are built on, homes, families are built on the foundation of wisdom and what? Understanding. God says we need to study our kids. We need to study our kids. We need to know what, what makes them the way that they are. Every child is a unique, has a unique way. Every child has a unique personality and a unique temperament. If, if you're a parent, you know that. If you have more than one child, you know that they're as different as night and day. Um, um, uh, same family, same family unit, same you know, upbringing, but different as night and day. You, you can't motivate them all the same way. They all, they all don't have the same strengths, the same weaknesses, the same talents, the same abilities, same interests. Why why shouldn't we try to fit them all in the same mold? No way. They are one in seven and a half billion. They're unique. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. The verse is a verse that you've probably heard before. You could probably quote it. It says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, <clears throat> this is not a promise it's a proverb, okay? Most people misunderstand uh, the real meaning of this verse, and I'm gonna be the first here to raise my hand and say that I, as well, um, probably understood the more popular understanding of this thing, uh, which is when your kids are little and you, know, you, you wanna take them to the bridge kids so that they can learn uh, about uh, Jesus, you, and you can, they can learn about the Bible, and, and you want to teach them about the Bible, and you want to make sure that they have a relationship, and they get to know the Lord, and, and, and eventually when they get old enough, they get baptized in the name of Jesus, and so on. And if they then, they, they take some sort of a detour in life, and they step away from it for a little bit, they'll eventually return. So that's kind of what I had always thought about when I thought about this verse. Uh, and I believe, by the way, that this popular understanding of it is a very good principle. I really do. I think it's a good idea. Uh, but what does this verse really mean, this proverb really mean? Uh, each child, here's what it is, is actually naturally fitted, naturally fitted to go a certain direction. 
In fact, the amplified version translation of this is train a child in keeping with his individual gifts or bent, personality, whatever the situation would be there. I've got to recognize the potential in my children, the ability that they have, the natural ability, and encourage them in that direction. And they are naturally inclined to go with their talents and with their abilities. And that's what this verse means. Understand them well enough to know that this is the natural thing for them and help them and move them along in that area. If your child loves English and hates math, don't send them to MIT. I mean, that's not a good idea. As I've said before to many of you, um, <clears throat> I grew up in a family, three, uh, two brothers, and all we did was sports. We loved sports, and that's all we thought about. That's all we did. We played sports all the time. You know, Anthony, it's all we did. And then my two boys came along, and you could just double that. That's what happened. They just loved sports, and they were so involved in it. And then all of a sudden, we heard that we were going to have a granddaughter, for goodness sakes. Those guys were all saying, I don't care, dude, I don't care. She's going to be out there. She's going to be playing softball, Anthony. She's going to be playing soccer. She's, we're going to play fo- I don't care, play football. She's going to play football. And Indy came. <laughs> Anybody that knows Indy, she, her daddy took her out there for the first time, put a ball in her hand, and she had nothing to do with it. She wanted nothing to do with the ball. Um, she could give a rip about sports. Um, you talk about a heartbreaker <laughs> for these guys. Now, she loves to organize things, and she loves to draw, and she loves to make movies for her poppy and her Mimi from North Carolina and just kills us. Uh, <laughs> but no sign of sports. And so um, it would be stupid for Devin to take her out and sign her up for T-ball and get her out there. And when the ball is hit to her and she misses it, say, get down in front of that ball and you know, catch, make sure you don't get, let that ball get by you and all that kind of stuff. She has no desire to be there. But there are parents that will put their child on a field to play ball and they have no desire whatsoever to be there trying to fulfill their father's fantasy. He's forcing him or her uh, to, into a mold that he or she doesn't, uh, want to be in at all. And so the point is you need to understand, understand your kids. A woodworker works with the grain, not against the grain. If they're shy, um, don't try to make them boisterous. If they're boisterous, don't try to make them shy. Understand them, understand them. What's the proof of understanding? Proverbs in 14, verse 29, says, a man of understanding has what? Patience. The proof that you understand your children is that you're patient with them. You're patient with them. <clears throat> Number two, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I must accept my children. I got to accept them. Really, really accept them. As parents, hey, listen, man, we are far from perfect, but God still accepts us just the way we are, doesn't he? That's called grace. That's called grace. And... Um, God wants you to accept your children just the way they are. That's called grace. You accept your children. We have a tendency to sort of reject our children when they mess up. 
or when they uh, don't look the way that they're, you know, we expect them to look or don't dress the way we expect them to dress, when they don't meet our standards as if we are the standards you know, for, for, for that. God, God says, accept them. The Bible says children are a gift from God. Have you accepted your gift from God? God chose the kids that, that, that you're going to have, and, and for most of you, and he, he put them into your life. You, you didn't choose them. He chose them. He used your genes, and, and he put them together. The Bible says in Romans 15, 7, it says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. God has sovereignly custom designed the children that he put into your family, one way or the other. You need to accept them as a gift of God and not try to make them like yourself. And we need to affirm their uniqueness. We tend to send out signals as parents that say, you know what, you need to be just like me. You need to be uh, uh, interested in the things that I'm interested in. You need to be do the, uh, as good in school as I did, or you need to be the athlete that I was, or you need to be interested in the piano like I was, or even worse, you need to be a better student than I was, or a better athlete than I was. What, what's that saying? It's a lack of recognition and appreciation for the way God made that child. <clears throat> Subtly, it, it eventually says to them, if I'm gonna be accepted by my daddy, I, I can't be myself. If I'm gonna be accepted by mommy, I can't, I can't be myself. The only way that I can get accepted in this house, in this family, is if I perform. And I've got to be like my parents in order to be accepted. And quite frankly, guys, that's heartbreaking. That's tragic. The third thing, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, and yes, I'm going there today, I must discipline my children. Amen. You all are still here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, the Lord disciplines those whom he what? It's a sign of God. It's a sign of God's love when you're disciplined, when he disciplines us. It's a sign of his love. The Bible says that if you say that you're a Christian and you're sinning and you're not disciplined by him, you're not really a Christian. In other words, it's evidence that you're really not a believer in him. The Bible says if I don't discipline my kids, then two things are true. The first one is it proves that you don't love them. Now, that's just not me. This is the word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. If you refuse to discipline your son, it proves that you don't love him. If I let him just get away with anything, if I let him get away with murder, it's like I don't really care enough to do something about it. Number two, it shows that, and listen to this, I'm participating in their destruction. I'm, de I'm helping themselves destroy them. The Bible says, again, not my words, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18, discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. And if you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. <clears throat> Now listen, it's important that you understand something today, the difference between discipline and punishment, okay? God, everybody say never. God never punishes his children. He never punishes his children. He disciplines them. All the punishment for your sins was taken on one person, and that was Jesus Christ on the cross, why would Jesus take all of that punishment on the cross 
and then come back and say, you gotta go through punishment here on earth. That's called double jeopardy. All, all the punishment for every wrong that you've ever done, all the punishment for every wrong that your kids have ever done or ever will do was already taken care of on that cross by Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, chapter, uh, 8 verse 1, it says, there is now no condemnation. That means no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't punish his children he does discipline them. He does discipline them. What's the difference then between punishment and discipline? The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. Uh, I want to penalize you for what you've done wrong. I'm looking back. I'm looking backwards. I want to punish you for what you've done wrong. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. Hey, I want to correct you. I, I, I want to train you. I want to make you better. The focus of punishment is on the past. The focus of discipline is on the future. I want to make you better in the future. The attitude of, of the parent in punishment is anger, guys. Uh, we, we punish out of anger. The motivation behind discipline is love, is love. I want to make it. I want to help you make it for the rest of your life in this world. The Bible says that God punishes the wicked that reject him, but he disciplines his own children. And yes, sometimes we get spanked. Spanking is biblical. The Bible clearly teaches spanking. All the kids are saying, geez, what are you doing, Steve? God uniquely designed little bodies with extra padding in certain area. Uh, so no long-term damage can happen uh, to them in that area. But listen to me. You don't discipline in anger. You discipline in love. What's the result? The result of punishment is always fear, guilt, and more anger. The, the result of discipline is security. It's like, you know what? I feel secure because now I've got some boundaries. I've got some, some, some parameters in my life. How can you know when you're punishing and how can you know when you're disciplining? You just look at the child's reaction and, and, and you can ask yourself, is that child afraid of me right now? Now, I wanna tell you something that this is probably, uh, I am very proud of my boys but this is one area of my life that I've dropped the ball a few times. And I'll never forget. The times when they looked at me in fear. And they were probably way too old even to be uh, spoken to and reacted the way I did. <clears throat> I can honestly tell you, Devin and Dustin would probably differ, but I can honestly tell you in my heart that I've never, ever disciplined them out of anger. Never, not one time. Now, with them, 
I kind of wanted to make them think that I was angry, that I didn't want them to do it. I, 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 again, and I reacted, I didn't, I didn't realize I didn't want them to look at me in fear after it was all over. And, and that's exactly what happened in both of these situations. They feared me. And that's not a good situation to be in as a father. You can lose a relationship with your child, fathers, by doing that. Don't do that. Discipline out of love. Discipline out of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear. Everybody say no fear in love. But perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. If you listen, guys, if you punish in anger, outwardly, they're gonna conform. They're gonna be obedient. But inwardly, inwardly, they're full of resentment. They're full of anger. They're full of bitterness and fear and full of guilt. And it's boiling up, and someday it's gonna explode. It will. We discipline our children the way God disciplines us. Is God gracious when he disciplines you? Amen? He's so gentle with us, isn't he? If you or I got what we deserve, none of us would be here today. God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. So how do we discipline? All right? This isn't all there is to say about how to discipline. But God says, in this particular case, I want to just cover a couple. If you're going to discipline your kids, do it calmly. Not, not to relieve frustration. Some parents, they wait until they're fed up with it, and then all of a sudden, they go after it. And how many times have you spanked your kids, not because uh, they were being disciplined, but because you were relieving your frustration? Um, God says, don't do that. Don't discipline in anger. Proverbs 29, verse 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger. It's foolish to discipline your kids in anger. You're only hurting yourself in the long run when you do that. Ephesians chapter six, verse four says, don't keep scolding and nagging your children, making them angry, resentful, uh, and resentful. Using, use love. Use loving discipline. No one likes to be nagged. Don't, don't confuse training with nagging, Okay? The closer, uh, the next one, by the way, number two, is to discipline quickly. Don't, don't delay it. Don't say, hey, look, wait till your father gets home. Don't do that. The closer to the time of the wrongdoing, the more purposeful, the more uh, effective the discipline's gonna be. So do it quickly. Uh, and don't always put that or hang that on one person in the, in the, the, the marriage, all right? Make that be equal across, across the two of you. Um, and then number three, discipline sparingly. Don't do it all the time. Just don't, you know, in Colossians chapter three, verse 20, it says, fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. It says, parents, <laughs> parents, you, you need to realize that and plan, I should say, for that toddler age. Uh, <laughs> Don't, don't leave breakables around the house and all that kind of stuff so that you're continuously saying, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't, 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 because all they hear is don't, don't. <clears throat> put those things away. A couple years, just put them away. 
Put them off the shelves. Get them off the shelves. A lot of unnecessary discipline can be av- uh, avoided if you just plan ahead for those little ones who've got short attention spans. Uh, don't discipline your kids uh, uh, for being kids. Discipline your kids for rebellion. There's a big difference. Fourth one, closing in, and this one I'm going to spend a little bit of time on real quick uh, because it's probably, in my opinion, one of the most important ones. If I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I must express love to my children. The Bible is full, full of examples of God's love for you and I, full of examples of the Father's love for his children. How great of love that the Father has given us. And I want to share these with you, these three specific ways that we parents need to express love. Because every one of us, all of our parents, we love our our kids, and you express your love to your kids in ways that you think that are appropriate. And we parents need to learn to express love in ways that, 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 that they understand, that they get, which is often very different than the way that we do it sometimes. It's like a husband who says, you know what, I love my wife, I provide for her, I care for her, I meet her needs. It's sort of like I've I've fulfilled my duty, my my responsibility, but where's the love in that? And that's what I think this is what I want to talk about here is is that that, that these are going to to, to actually hit on is, is, you know, we we need to, there's that missing ingredient. It's like we need to show them that we love them. And so how do we do that? Here's a a, a couple ways or a few ways. The first one is, is through affection. It's touching, it's, it's, it's uh, physical contact, it's hugs and kisses and, and pats on the back and rubbing the back or whatever. If, you're, if you didn't grow up in a family like this, you can learn this. It's something you can learn. The Bible says in Psalms 145, 9, it says, the Lord has compassion on all he's made. He's very affectionate with us. Studies show that fathers are one-sixth as physically affectionate toward their kids as mothers are. And I'm just saying, fathers, I encourage you to get, get some courage and give, you know, even if it's your son or whatever, you're not going to teach him anything wrong by doing that. Give him hugs and kisses and, 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 and love your kids and show affection to them and show them that you care. i got to be honest with you. Uh, it, it works both ways. I, I, I just had a situation where, and lately this has been happening with Devin. Uh, I was saying goodbye to him. And he gave me a hug. Gave me a kiss on the cheek in front of the world. And um, it meant a lot to me that he said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to give my dad a kiss on the cheek. That meant a lot to me. And it does for your kids as well. Come home to hugs and kisses, dads. A, a, a touch can, can re-energize a, ch- a child, especially if they're uptight or they're down or whatever. Sometime today, sometime today, dads, go home and give everybody in your, in your family a, a loving touch. Um, also, kids understand love in another way through affirmation. The way that you talk to them. Psalms 145.14, the Lord upholds, he, he uplifts those who are down. This is what we're learning from God. We shape our kids by the way that we talk to them every day, all the time. How are you talking to them? Are you talking down to them all the time? Or are you talking to them like people, like little people? The way that we talk and affirm and build up instead of tear down. We're a family, guys. We're, 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 we're on the same team. And, and, and fathers, don't make fun of your kids. Listen, they got enough of that in school. They got enough of that outside the family. 
that's the one place that they shouldn't have it is from their own family, their own father. Build them up, encourage them. Another thing to teach your kids, and dads, don't kill me for this. It's okay to fail if you try. It's okay to fail if you try. Listen, I want that message to come ringing home uh, loud and clear. I want, I want my kids to take risk in life. I want my kids to go for it. I want my kids to try new things. And gosh, I want my kids uh, 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 to be people of faith when they grow up. In order to teach them that, I'm gonna tell you something. You've gotta teach them not to fear failure. And it's okay to fail as long as you try. I want our families, I want our bridge families to be a place where the kids can come home and say, I've tried, but I blew it at school. And guess what? They're affirmed. They're affirmed and not put down. They're they're loved and built up again, and their empty self-esteem is refilled by their own family, by their own parents. I want to create an environment where it's okay to fail and they still get affirmed. Everybody gets affirmed when they come home with A's. Everybody gets affirmed when they get a home run. Everybody gets affirmed when they they win a contest or something like that. What about the time when they try and they lose? And and they don't meet up with your standards or your expectations. That's when they need it the most. That's when they need to be affirmed the most. Another way kids understand love is through attention. And this is probably the number one uh, uh, way that kids sense that they are loved is through attention. <clears throat> when was the last time? When was the last time that you sat down and you looked your son or your daughter in the eyes? And I'm not talking about like, you know, on the run or whatever. I'm talking about you set them down and you talk to them and you say, I am proud of you. I don't, I don't care if, if, if I had to choose it all over again, if out of every child in the whole world, I'd still choose you. The Bible says in Psalms 145, 18, our heavenly father is near us. He's near us when we call on him. And we have so many absentee fathers today, they're never around. Cornell University did a study on this and where they found in that in America, the average father spends... 37.7 seconds per day talking to their child. They spend two to four hours watching television. Where do you think they're getting their values? The missing link in what's happening in so many families today is just time together. Time together. That's the missing element. We're living separate lives together but separate lives, going a million different directions. The traditional you know, meal has been replaced by fast food. We, we talk about the dinner hour. Man, when was the last time you got together and had a, a dinner with your family for an hour? It's more like the dinner 15 minute. Also, parents, we can get so preoccupied. I know I'm beating you, I'm beating you here. I... I, I I was gonna say I apologize for it, but this is the word of God and I'm not going to. Um, But it's something that I hope you're taking seriously. All of our parents, we get so preoccupied. We get so occupied with our 
occupation, uh, with, with making money, with, with buying and with pleasure, that you got to watch it because that aggressive uh, anything for a buck, you know what, that value system gets transmitted right to the kids. That's exactly what happens. We get so caught up in ourselves, it becomes much easier to give money and things to our kids. Here's five bucks, you know, or whatever. Here's some whatever, instead of uh, giving them time. But it's only time that brings out the character in your kids. It's time. The phrase quality time is a myth, guys. Quality time, you know what that is? It's a cop-out for couples who are overcommitted. They're, they're committed to everything else but their kids. They, you know, they're, they're out doing all these different things, but they're not committed to their kids. They're overcommitted, and it's a cop-out. If you were to ask your kids what they wanted, quantity time or quality time, I bet you uh, that they would choose quantity over quality uh, every day and twice on Sunday. It's not that they want to be the center of all that's going on. That's not good for them either. Uh, They just want you to be around. They want you to be around. Spend time with your kids. How much time? A lifetime. A lifetime. Everybody say a lifetime. A lifetime. If I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I'll give attention. I'll give affection. I'll give affirmation. I'll express it in ways that my kids understand it. And finally, my last point is that if I'm going to be like my Heavenly Father, I must be consistent with my children. Consistent. Psalms 145.17. The Lord is righteous in what? All. All his ways. All his ways. The word righteousness means here fair. He's fair in all his ways. Parents, you are teaching all the time. You're teaching all the time. If you have children, your home is bugged. Your home is bugged. They have little ears that are picking up every single thing that you say. Everything. Like it or not, you're teaching 24-7. You never are off the record at home. Never. They're watching you. And watching everything that you say they're watching what you say on the, uh, uh, on the phone. They're watching what you watch on television. They're watching how you respond to one another when you're cursing at each other, when you get really mad. I hope that's not happening. You're teaching constantly by example, by your example. You need to be consistent and not hypocritical like, you know, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm one way this way, and over here, if I'm over here with these people, I'm this way. L- live a consistent life before your children. Proverbs 20, verse 7, as the worship team comes, um, it, it is a wonderful heritage, listen to this, to have an honest father. How do you demonstrate honesty as a parent? First of all, you don't act like you're perfect. You know, uh, I, I, you admit it when you're wrong. You, you, you know, you, you need to say to your children sometimes, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I was wrong, and when that happened that I explained to you before, I went to him and I said, I hope I haven't blown this with you, guy. Son, I, I hope I didn't mess this up. I, this relationship, I want a relationship with you. I hope I didn't mess this up. I apologize, I was wrong. I did it the wrong way. You know that the Bible says pride goes before what? 
fall, destruction. Before honor is humility. You're honest when you're honest about your mistakes. Because you're not a perfect mother. You're not a perfect father. Be honest. Keep your promises, parents. Keep your promises. Keep your promises. Keep your Say, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to keep my promise. The Lord is faithful, the Bible says, to all his promises. The number one case, statistically, for bitterness in families is broken promises. Dad, you promised me. Well, I kind of got busy, you know, had things pop up. I kind of got busy. Mom, you, you promised me. Be careful what you promise your children. If you're, listen, if, you're, if they can't trust you, what happens when, if, they're not, if you're not trustworthy, what does that say to your child about God? If he's our heavenly father. If my heavenly father is like my father on earth, well, then no thanks. Maybe you need to apologize to your kids. You know, I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let's start this thing over. I'm not perfect. Let's, let's um, try again. The, the, the last verse in the Old Testament, uh, Malachi uh, 4, 6. It's okay. You can play some music or unless you just broke your string. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> the, 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 the last verse, shall we stand together? In, in the Old Testament is... Malachi 4, 6. Last, the very last verse. I've told you before, usually when somebody's sharing something and they realize it's going to be the last time, it's probably something pretty important. And so Malachi 4, 6, last verse of the Old Testament, the last thing God says in the Old Testament before Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, the, the thing that's on the top of his mind, he says, he will turn, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And guys, that's what our communities here need. That's what the bridge families need. Children's hearts turn towards their fathers and fathers' hearts turn towards their children. This is a family affair. It's a family affair. No church is any stronger than the families that are in that church. No nation is any stronger than the families that are in that nation. Let's sing. Without you, I fall.